Happy New Year. Um, can you believe it's 2020 already? I am um, in business, you know, over the last five years, I've been to many meetings where people have talked about 2020 strategies and 2020 visions. You know, people seem to like the pun. Um, and it always seems so far away. You know, you could sort of be really ambitious because 2020 is a long way away. You've got a lot of, lot of time to, uh, to do things. But we're, we're kind of here now and it's just a little bit scary. I kind of thought I was going to be quite old when it came to 2020, but thankfully that's not the case. Anyone made any New Year's resolutions this year? One of mine is to be a bit more interactive in, in talks like this, so yeah, what was, what was yours? My New Year's resolution was to not make a New Year's resolution. Fantastic. Is that, that's, you've already made one. Anybody else? Any other ones? I've made a resolution. I want to try and fast a bit more. Fast a bit more. Ah, very good. Well, I did a little bit of research. Actually, the, according to a, a survey, the top resolutions for last year, 2019, were uh, to exercise more, to lose weight, and to save money. Thankfully, none of you will need any of those ones this year. But I think the beginning of a new year is a good time to look forward and to plan. Um, and this morning, I want to talk a bit about our vision at Three Counties Church. And uh, I want to ask, how does that look this year? What do we believe God's calling us to do? And, and, and what should we be focusing on in particular this year? So our vision, can anybody tell me what our vision is? There's three key things to our vision. Authentic. Authentic relationships, yes, developing authentic relationships, that's one, that's the second one. Loving God first and impacting, yeah, impacting our communities. In fact, it might be at the bottom, let's see if this thing can work. Right, oh, you might need to unplug it. Oh yeah, fantastic. So, um, loving God, developing authentic relationships and impacting our communities to see lives transformed by Jesus is what we're about. And I'm really excited about all three elements of our vision this year. Loving God, this year I want to see people fall deeper in love with Jesus. I want to grow in my faith and my walk with, with the Lord and I don't just want to know more about God. I want to know him better. And uh, I think that's a good thing to pray about. Paul did. Do you remember last year we looked at Ephesians? Um, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 says, um, I keep asking the God of our Father, sorry, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Yeah, so that you may know him better. And I think we, you know, we need to know God to love him, don't we? Um, so let's make it our prayer and our priority to, to get to know God better in 2020. And I want our love for God to be active, to be put into practice, where it overflows in worship, but not just worship here on Sunday morning in songs, but actually our daily life worship, where our love for God is lived out in our daily lives. And I feel God wants us to pause here, because I kind of wanted to go on and talk about authentic relationships, because, you know, there's a couple of things I felt I wanted to share about that, and I'm excited about impacting our communities. God's been speaking prophetically to us about bearing fruit and, you know, seeing his kingdom come, seeing lives transformed. I'm really excited about that. So when I was preparing, I was kind of ready to get on, but I really felt God just say, dwell on the first part a bit. 
loving me. Because this is the part that makes us distinct as a church. You know, other clubs, other societies, other organizations or charities can actually do well with authentic relationships and they can actually make an impact in the community, which is wonderful. But we as a church, we're distinct because we're about loving God first. It's not an accident, that's the first part of our vision. We kind of deliberately put it there as, as the first. Do you remember when Jesus was asked to identify the greatest commandment? What was it? To love the Lord, the God, with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. The greatest commandment. God has to come first, and he did in Jesus' life. Loving God is the greatest priority and the highest privilege, the supreme responsibility of every person on earth. And, and this is where it all starts. In fact, actually, if we were kind of running out of space, we could have left our vision just there. We could have just said, loving God, full stop, because everything else flows out of loving God. Jesus said the second most commandment was like unto the first, didn't he? So loving people, loving your neighbor as yourself, oh, which also means you've got to love yourself, don't forget that. But that's, that just flows naturally when we're in a place of loving God. Everything in the Christian life flows from our love of God. And last Sunday, as I was in, in the middle of preparing for this talk, the Lord emphasized this to me. I was in my brother's church, um, Cosway Coast Vineyard, and uh, the, there was a guy speaking, and his talk was all about posture. And actually, you know, I'm quite tall, sort of, you know, sometimes get sore back, so a bit of, you know, education about posture I thought would be quite useful. But actually, it was, it was about the posture of our hearts, and particularly towards God. And the main message um, that he had was this. We must posture our hearts towards God's pr- um, presence, not his promises. And it's easy to get excited about God's promises, isn't it? Um, it's, it's easy, well, if you're like me anyway, you want to push in, you want to see them re- a reality. But actually, God wants our posture to be about his presence and not his promises. Do you remember the story when David the shepherd boy was an anointed king? You know, you had uh, Samuel arrive and, and Jesse brought his oldest son out and he was tall and handsome and just looked the part. But, but God didn't choose him because it said God looked at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. You can tell the person next to you that if, if they were looking at the outward appearance, you'd be okay. Um, and then eventually Jesse brought seven of his sons before Samuel. None of them were chosen. And, and so Samuel has to ask, you know, do you have any other sons? And, and Jesse kind of remembers, oh yeah, there's David. He's, he's out there somewhere looking after the sheep. So they go find David. They bring David in. He's anointed king. And what happens? Well, nothing visible, really. David is filled with God's spirit, but he doesn't become king in fact, he goes back out to look after the sheep again. And visibly, sort of nothing's changed. And, and then he does some great things. You know, he, he sort of defeats Goliath. That's wonderful, but, but he doesn't become king. And he becomes best friends with, with the king's son, Jonathan. But he's still not king. And then um, things actually get a bit worse. Saul begins to really dislike him. Saul starts chasing him to kill him. 
And, and David is found hiding in caves with his men, sort of running away from Saul. And eventually, David's in a, in a cave, and, and Saul is, and his army is, is chasing him, and Saul needs to go to the bathroom, and he chooses the very same cave that David's in. And David's men think, wow, this is, this is the opportunity. You know, God's promise, God's anointing, and David was to be king, and now Saul is in the cave, literally with his trousers down, he has his guard down completely, and it's David's chance to kill Saul and become king. But what does David do? He says, I will not lay my hand on the Lord's anointed. He had the opportunity to cut short the way to God's promise being fulfilled. But he didn't because he knew it was wrong and he knew it would compromise the Lord's presence in his life. He said to Saul, as the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. And David made the choice to have God's presence in the wilderness rather than have the palace but be without God's presence. He made the choice to have God's presence and stay in the wilderness rather than try and shortcut his way to, God's, to, to, to the palace and, and, and be without God's presence. We must posture our hearts towards God's presence, not his promises. For some of you, the story of Mary and Martha will resonate. Um, do you remember so Jesus was coming to visit? We had some visitors yesterday afternoon, some old friends, and it pretty much took all morning to, to get everything ready. We had to set the table for 14 people. Roe had cooked shepherd's pie the night before. You know, we had to get the house clean. There was, there was quite a lot of effort required. Um, it was challenging to get the boys to help, but anyway, we, we, we tried. Um, but imagine if Jesus was coming to visit. You'd really want to make sure everything was ready, that the house was good. And I'm sure Mary and Martha did that. And then Jesus showed up. And Mary makes the choice to go and sit at Jesus' feet. And there was obviously stuff that still had to be done because Martha was running around trying to do it. And she was getting stressed out and she was getting frustrated. And eventually she came to Jesus and said, look, you know, Mary's not helping. Can you tell her to help? And Jesus responded with this, and I bet he said it pretty gently. He said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus is a gentleman, isn't he? He lets us make our own decisions. He was protecting Mary's decision to be in his presence and sit at his feet. But he wasn't forcing Martha to do it. Martha was free to continue on with the busyness and to prioritize the programs. Jesus made it clear to her that it wasn't the better thing. But he was letting her make that choice. This morning, can I encourage you, let's go with a better choice. Let's prioritize his presence. Loving God has got to be our highest priority. We'll come back to that a little bit later. The second element of our vision is developing authentic relationships. Um, And we know our church isn't this building, it's the people. Um, We're a family here at Three Counties Church. We're a place where each person can be themselves, um, where there doesn't need to be masks or pretenses, um, where everyone's loved and accepted. And we want to invest time with each other, getting to know each other. 
And can I pause here for a second, because I think uh, this is important. Um, It popped up in my um, Bible verse of the day, just the the other day, um, a verse from Hebrews 10, 25. And it says, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge one another onwards. If we want to have authentic relationships as a church, as a family, we've got to get to know other people. Um, we've got to meet up with them. This can be informally. Um, I love when I hear about people just sort of meeting up for dinner or going for walks, um, inviting people over for a cup of coffee or a game of tennis, whatever it is. That's fantastic. That's, that's sort of real investment. It can be in ministries or small groups. Um, we're going to be launching small groups really soon. And if you're not involved in a small group, can I encourage you to get involved in a small group? I was out uh, yesterday morning with Steve and John on the, on the, the bikes. And we had a brilliant prayer time just up on the, 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 the top of Blackdown. It was fantastic. You know, small groups are a really good time to connect and to, um, to, to share your life, to get to know people better than you can sort of on a Sunday morning. So, and, and if you're not serving, actually, ministries can be a great place to get to know people just sort of serving together and things. So if you're new and you, you haven't got involved and want to, um, do, do speak to myself or one of the leadership team or one of the staff. Um, and then it's also Sunday mornings as well. Um, we meet primarily this morning to worship God. That's, that's why we're here. Um, but we, we also... Um, are being family. That's why we do coffee. We want to connect together as family. So this year, let's, let's come together even more frequently in whatever way it is, whatever way is appropriate for you, and urge one another on in the faith. Uh, and can I speak to, to those of us that have children as well? Because if you want your children to en- enjoy church, you've got to take their relationships seriously as well. If they build good friendships, they're so much more likely to, to love church. They're more likely to look forward to coming and, and not feel they don't know anyone or don't fit in. But if they're only at LAV or kids or whatever, you know, once a month or, you know, it's, it's challenging for them to develop authentic relationships. Um, so I urge you to prioritize sort of, if you've children, sort of regular attendance at, at those things for, for their sakes. And, and think about play dates as well, having other families over for dinner uh, or walks or games or whatever it is, just to build those connections so that our children, um, and especially as they grow into teenagers as well, have those strong, authentic relationships um, that, that, that will encourage them. So we're a family as a Three Counties Church, but we're not isolated. We're also connected in, in, in the Hazelmere area. Um, we've had great relationships with, with some of the other local churches, and, and we want to maintain those connections, St. Bart's, St. Stephen's, uh, some of the other churches in, in the area. And as a church and leadership team, we also want input and accountability. We've had that from Pete Gilbert uh, for many years, and we expect that uh, to continue. Um, But we've also been growing close to the vineyard network of churches. We've known um, Guy and Esther Pritchard for quite a while. In fact, Esther grew up here in this church, um, and they've become rather more significant to us over the last couple of years, speaking at different things um, and sort of inputting to us as a leadership team. And they also recently actually took on the area leadership for the vineyard, so they look after about 10 churches in our area. 
And over the past year, we've got to know Nigel and Joe Hemming, um, who lead the region and vineyards. So that's a number of areas they lead. Nigel was here speaking about being filled with the Spirit uh, last term. And then as a leadership team last year, um, it was just about a year ago, actually, January last year, we went to the Vineyard National Leaders Conference and were really blessed and encouraged there. So after talking with Pete Gilbert, um, we, we decided that we would explore um, being part of the vineyard. So um, if you're not sure what the vineyard is or what they're about, um, or your questions or concerns, don't worry, we're, we're not going fast at all. We're, we're taking our time, um, so there'll be plenty of time to ask questions. Feel free to come and chat with me if you've questions about what that might mean, um, but we'll be exploring that over the, the, the coming months. And we've talked about relationships, but I just wanted to highlight to the authentic part of that. Uh, I, th- I love just that this church is real. It's, gen- you know, it's not a place where people are religious, have masks, and you know, sort of aren't themselves. And they also wanted to speak to the open point. So for some of you, that's, that's no problem. You're naturally open. Others of you are maybe a bit more like me, and being open is a bit more difficult. You've got to actually... You know, force yourself to a bit. And can I encourage you this year, 2020, to err on the side of openness and to make sure you at least find two or three people that you can really be open with and, and share where you're at. So, authentic relationships are a vital part of our vision. And the third element is impacting our communities. We want to have a positive impact on our communities. We want to be a light shining wherever we are. And actually, that's deliberately plural because we're, we're not all just in the same community. In, in works, in schools, um, just in, in where we live. We live in lots of different places over the area. So we have lots of different communities. And uh, the year before last, we looked at Romans 12, and we, we talked about ministry not being the preserve of the pastor, which is kind of good, um, the, the, the church leaders or the gifted few. Um, as John Wimber used to say, everyone gets to play. Ministry is, is all of our, our job. And we saw that ministry isn't just what happens in the church building, but it can happen everywhere, and it it isn't just for Sundays or official programs, um, but it's about every day. So it's about everyone, everywhere, every day. And I'm excited about what God's going to do in 2020 and the impact we're going to have um, through our ministries. It was great just to pray for Alpha early. You know, we've got Money Advice Wave. There's, that's just three. There's so many things that we're doing. But I'm just as excited about the impact that we're going to have you know, as individuals or as families um, through, through the places and in the situations that God has put us. Just going about our day-to-day lives, just carrying his presence with us, being obedient to his voice. I'm excited about the fruit we will bear, people who are going to be helped, healed, come to Jesus, relationships restored, communities strengthened. Um, so I'm excited about our future as Three Candies Church. And over the last number of months, we've, had, we've heard prophetic voices uh, saying that while we build on strong foundations, there will be new people doing new things, that we're going to have a new voice, that there'll be a time of harvest coming, so we need to get ready for it, that the oil of God's joy will be poured out among us, and that what is in heaven will be released on earth. And that we shouldn't rush. And as a leadership team, um, we've, we've weighed these and we do feel that God is stirring and that we should prepare as a church. 
that God will move us beyond where we traditionally operate, that we should recognize our limits, but actually that in our limits, God's going to use them to advance his kingdom. And actually, we must posture our heart towards God's presence. There's some exciting promises in those prophetic voices, but our hearts should not be postured to those promises. They should be postured to God's, God's presence. So what might this mean for us over the next year? Change. Well, actually, as a leadership team, we've tried to avoid change for, for the past couple of years. Um, and we don't have major changes planned. As I mentioned, sort of, we're, we're gently exploring uh, being part of the vineyard. I should also share that we're also exploring whether we should appoint uh, an experienced church leader onto our staff and onto the, the, the leadership team. So this wouldn't be in a senior pastor or overall church leader role. Um, I would still sort of lead the team overall. Um, but it would be a very key appointment for us, so somebody to focus on spiritual formation, small groups, um, and, um, and leadership development, as well as share some of the, the pastoral and teaching load. So again, this is in early stages of thinking, and if you've questions or comments, please chat to me or one of the, the, the leadership team. But what if God is calling us to start up new ministries? Are we willing to step up? Or maybe even more challenging, are we willing to stop some of the things that we're doing that are good, but they're just not what God's calling us to? What if God brings growth in numbers? That would change the feel of this church a bit, wouldn't it? Are we ready for it? Would we welcome that change? What if God brings change in us as individuals? More of the fruit of the Spirit, more passion for him. What if we're totally wrecked for him? We just can't get enough of him. So there will be change in 2020. I was with my brother, as I said, over, over Christmas. And um, he was saying when God called his church sort of out to the lost, they told the church, keep a hold of your handbag and look, keep an eye on your children because we're inviting everyone to church. Those from the margins of society, those with problems, those who really need Jesus. And don't expect it to be a safe place. So this might not be a safe environment. Not a cosy Christian club. So there may be danger in 2020. There may be risk. Somebody once said faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And I think there are elements of truth to that. Individually, God may ask us to pray for people, invite people to events, share our faith, invest our time, love um, people. And all of these have an element of risk. And sometimes we're going to hear God's voice clearly. We're just going to know this is the Lord asking me to do this. And other times we're just going to have a sense that, you know what? That's what Jesus would do. I think, I think God just might want me to do that. And it might be a bit risky. So there's going to be risk in 2020. And, and finally, stepping into all God has for us won't come without sacrifice. It will be costly. Jesus calls us to put everything on the line. As we heard in our reading today, you thought I'd forgotten about the reading, hadn't you? We're, we're coming back to it. And my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus calls us to make our bodies a living sacrifice. We looked at that a couple of years ago in Romans 12 as well. 
as an act of worship. He's going to refine us. He's going to change us for the better, but it might not be easy. There might be pruning involved. We heard about that in our reading too, doesn't he? Actually, the branches that are fruitful, he prunes so they'll bear more fruit. Some of you will give sacrificially of your time and energies to the church, to other people, but ultimately for Jesus himself. And some of you will give sacrificially of your money and possessions above your normal giving. So there'll be sacrifice in 2020. So how should we prepare? Well, coming back to the reading again. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So we prepare to bear fruit by remaining in him, by abiding in Jesus, by staying connected to him, by talking to him, by listening to him, by making him our priority. I was challenged again recently about the concept of first fruits. You know, the people of Israel um, had to give God the first fruits of their, of their crops, of their labor as a tithe. Not just the leftovers, not the, I'll see if I have anything at the end. Not the bit that might be forgotten, but the first fruits. And if you just imagine that, you know, the farmer has been, you know, preparing the ground, planting the crop, watering it, tending it, and finally gets round to harvesting it. And, you know, for most of the year, they've been eating last year's harvest. And I can imagine as they come up to this year's harvest, you know, the last couple of months, it's maybe, maybe last year's harvest hasn't been that great. Maybe, maybe there's not very much left. Maybe at the bottom of the pile and all the yucky bits. And they're really, really ready for, for the new harvest. But when it comes in, the farmer and their family... Yeah, they must be ready to get stuck into the fruits of their labor, literally. But do they? Not straight away. Because in gratitude and humility and worship, the farmer takes the first fruits of the harvest and gives them to the Lord. Does anyone remember the story of David and the water? I think it was before he was king. He was surrounded by the Philistines And he must have thought out loud that, oh, I would just love some water from the well in Bethlehem. And his three mighty men heard it. And they kind of snuck through enemy lines, went to Bethlehem, drew some water, carried it all the way, got back through the enemy lines to David and and gave him the water. And what did he do? Did Did he give thanks and drink it and said, thank you, lads? He said, no, no, this water is too sacred. And he poured it out before the Lord. Now imagine that. I mean, that just seems crazy, doesn't it? I mean, if you were those three men and you'd, you'd done all that for David and he just kind of pours it out. But if you know the Lord, actually it all makes sense. He's worth it. He's worthy. The Father's calling us to remain in him giving him the first fruits, particularly of our time, pouring it out to the Lord. 